0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. Um, I'm going to be talking a bit today about West German terrorism during the late 60s and 1970s, really the period from about 67 to 77 when um, it had its kind of culmination. Um, I'm going to look a little bit about the origins of this uh, phenomena and try to come up with some, some explanations, which is going to be very difficult because uh, opinions are widely divided over the, um, the causes of um, West German terror the origin, the origins of it really are in the radical student movement um of the late 1960s the I- individual circumstances in west germany uh, are quite interesting their student movement um was galvanized largely against uh, the vietnam war there were american air bases obviously in Ger- in west germany which was still to some extent um uh, and, uh, under conditions of, of a kind of a light occupation, um, obviously as a NATO member and a formerly heavily occupied country, the um, uh, Americans had a huge military presence in um, West Germany, partly because of its their role to uh, protect against uh, the, the the now formidable Warsaw Pact to the east so these bases and this presence become a, a focus of attention for um, radical student protest but there there's another element to all of this and to that we have to go deep into the um the early post war years of germany um now i did a podcast um earlier on this year about the uh Denazification process. It may even have been last year, uh, but if you go back to the list, there's one on denazification, and the the very limited amount um, degree to which Germany was um, thoroughly denazified. There were obviously the regime is destroyed, the regime is banned, the party is banned, and can never be a, a mainstream political force ever again. However, under the um, Adenauer uh, government a huge number of Nazis were pardoned under the occupying zones of the the British, the French and the Americans. It was only the Americans, really, that pursued denazification with anything like a kind of a real zeal. and They discovered that it was an enormous, gargantuan, almost unmanageable bureaucratic task. The British were more um, philosophical, um, or one might say cynical, Um, about this, and they recognised that it was going to be virtually impossible to run the British zone without the help of former Nazis. Uh, There there was a wide range of individuals, from hardened war criminals, all the way down to um, petty officials who had been in the party either for personal advancement, or simply because uh, one's career was untenable without party membership the the purging of all these people would have made uh, the entire entirety of the British zone unmanageable, and so there were ample opportunities for former Nazis, those who had uh, simply supported the regime, and those who perpetrated some of its worst crimes, to slip through into post-Nazi life, and uh, you know to have positions of trust and respectability. Within Germany, uh, for the for the foreseeable decades, the in in the East, um, if you read uh, Tony Judd's post-war, what he points out quite clearly is in the immediate aftermath of the war, uh, all uh, captured Gestapo and SS men were given a simple choice: it was either a one-way train ticket to Siberia, or membership of the new East German security apparatus that eventually would become the Stasi. And there were a surprising number of instant uh, converts from Nazism to Communism as soon as it's possible to show that you you can thrive and continue ruling in an authoritarian manner. People are more than happy sometimes to uh, embrace this uh, doctrinal change. Now, a really good book to read um, is um, Thomas Kohut's um, A German Generation, and that describes this kind of cloying, imposed amnesia that existed um, in German families, particularly in West Germany after the war, when the questions about the Holocaust, which wasn't really um, a fully uh, an an open subject until the 60s and 70s, uh, perhaps even the 1980s, um, when questions such uh, about the Holocaust or the war or um, what... Parents had done during the war was array, arose. It tended to be the standard response in German families to um, say, "Please don't bring that up again. Let's try to put that in the past and move on." There was also a powerful sense in Germany that if if anyone had been a victim of the war, Aryan Germans had. One only needed to look at the degree of devastation brought by British and American bombers and by G- uh, Russian artillery. Um, The huge numbers lost on uh, battlefields in Russia and North Africa, and the poverty and uh, destruction, uh, particularly brought by the Red Army and the division of Germany, to make a case amongst German people that they had been the victims of this war. Uh, What had happened to the Jews? Well, that was unfortunate, but we don't want to dwell on that. And embracing a sense of German victimhood was quite a, a popular theme. So... The questions that a young, the younger generation who were born perhaps during or immediately after the war had tended to go unanswered, and this unsurprisingly led to a, a degree of, of frustration, a sense that the older generation weren't being entirely honest. And when we get to the 1960s, and we see, um, as we do in America, there's a kind of generational conflict is taking place. this element of lack of trust becomes a, a key factor the um prevalent feeling in in amongst radical student circles in late 60s early 70s germany was that nazism had never really gone away nazism was simply sleeping beneath the surface of a supposedly a notionally democratic uh, society but it was a society that was dominated by uh, capitalist interests and the uh, uh, and th- the will to uh, to go to war west germany itself wasn't at war but it was facilitating america's uh, war in vietnam uh, b52 stratofortresses were flying from west german bases and there were various west german um, hospitals for veterans for american veterans coming back from vietnam So what we see is a fusing of a number of ideas into um, a particularly convoluted way of looking at the world. Um, The uh, popularity of um, not sort of Stalinist or Trotskyite Marxism, but now a wave of of, of Maoist Marxism um, uh, uh, on university campuses created this notion that now that the... um, Uh, the war in Vietnam was being supported by the West German government, the the locus of what we could call Nazism, or militarist aggression, um, was America. But um, it was being facilitated by actually real Nazis in Germany who had survived the war, um, and that um, instead of pillaging Russia and raising Russia to the ground, now places like Vietnam were being raised to the ground. Now <clears throat> you might call America's actions imperialist, but it's very difficult to make any connection between the administrations of Kennedy Lyndon Johnson and Nixon, and anything approaching Nazism, um, they this sort of title of, of referring to anybody who is um, right of centre and perhaps has certain reactionary views as being Nazi, really tends to um, do us no good and and um, uh, obviously water down that which is specifically Nazi. So um, that even that said sometimes in order to understand you know sometimes in order to understand the actions and the beliefs and the ideas of people at the time we have to kind of look into the kind of the convoluted ways in which they think it doesn't necessarily mean we have to give it a kind of a, a, a thumbs up particularly in 1967 on the state visit of the Shah of Iran to uh, West Germany a, a, a West German protester was killed. Now, the story goes, you'll have to check this one, I'm not sure how apocryphal it is, but it's eminently believable, was that he was actually murdered by two Stasi men, dressed as West German policemen, in a bid to actually fire up the uh, protesters and to, to facilitate some kind of revolutionary action. If that was the goal, then this works a treat. My suspicion with uh, what happens later on with the Bader meinhof gang and, uh, or the Red Army faction, as it's, as it's also known, is that when they're executing um, set-piece kidnaps and assassinations that I suspect probably they learned how to do that uh, east of the border at all, uh, all sorts of help. Now into the centre of all this outrage and anger um, appears Andreas Bader who himself wasn't a student, he was a nihilistic, um, fairly poorly read and um, fairly um, unpredictable character who uh, enjoyed having a a kind of a coterie of, of radical types around him and um believed that some kind of direct action was justifiable against the state whether this stems from any uh, any real held political beliefs or the fact that he he was an egomaniac who enjoyed these sorts of things is again a matter for debate his girlfriend um Gun- uh, Gudrun Enslin Uh, was the uh, intellectual uh, powerhouse within the uh, Bader-Meinhof gang or what would later become the Bader-Meinhof gang and it was she who actually educated him in uh, revolutionary politics. Bader and his um, little grouping at the time decided to burn down two department stores Basically, by in a a bid to show that um, any attack upon the student body was perceived to be uh, an attack by um, the kind of the the conglomeration of police and capital, as they saw it, and they thought they would strike back at what they saw as kind of uh, as a naked consumerism um, and a naked consumerism, which in their view was responsible for atrocities such as the Vietnam War. So, uh, Vardar was quite... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? quickly caught and, and jailed and 2 years into his jail sentence um Ulrike Meinhof who had been following the student movement she was a journalist um, a, a radical intellectual um she helped to spring him from his incarceration they uh, he was allowed a, a library visit and they and he was very la- poorly guarded and they um helped to spring him at at that point in a a quite an audacious heist. And for the next couple of years, the Meinhof gang, as it becomes known, uh, or the Red Army Faction, as they call themselves, was quite a sort of romantic notion within um, uh, West Germany. Uh, West Germans who uh, were um, happy to kind of grumble about the government in various ways saw them uh, as um, as almost quite a... vigilante romantic sort of notion this all changes when they start assassinating and blowing people up the brief Indian summer of popularity for the Baden-Meinhof gang plummets when their um, real uh, terrorist campaign begins bank robberies are one thing but uh, assassinating policemen and blowing people's legs off is quite another During this time, they had uh, spent time outside Germany um, on the run, and they managed to get to Jordan, where they trained with the PLO. Um, Too much, in a way, is made of the connections between different terrorist groups in the 1970s the 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 kind of Reader's Digest journalism of the time liked to imply that the the PLO the IRA the, the People's Front for the Liberation of Palestine the Bader Meinhof gang the um, the Weathermen in America all were kind of connected in some way in some sort of large global conspiracy. No, no, they weren't. Um, by and large, uh, the uh, uh, Palestinian terror organisations had a, a very different agenda to um, the Red Army Faction and a very different world view. They were certainly not particularly impressed by the Red Army Faction or the Baden-Meinhof Gang turning up with women um, and hoping that they would be trained for um, urban guerrilla warfare. The um, Palestinians would later uh, work with West German terror groups. Um, during the the Munich Olympics, and um, there an interesting sort of anti-Semitism, I say interesting, a, a very um, an anti-Semitism that comes from very very surprising and convoluted roots would manifest itself, it manifest itself particularly on the uh, attack on the uh, Israeli team competing in the Olympics. One of the most troubling things the authorities um, would have been the emergence of a second generation of the Bader-Meinhof gang. Andreas Bader, Ulrich Meinhof and Gudrun Enslin, Holger Meinsen, the, uh, the the originals, were caught in 1972, um, but uh, the bloodshed and violence continued uh, as there were increasingly desperate attempts to try to free them or to um, raise uh, kind of leverage through um, kidnappings and hijackings to bargain for their release. They had inspired a certain number of uh, follow-on generations of um, um, uh, West German terrorists, largely from the radical student movement, to, to carry on what they saw as their work. Their work being this rather incoherent uh, war against the West German state, which, or, or a, a kind of a struggle to finally uh, end what they saw as being um, Nazism in Germany. The gang went on trial in 1975 and it turned out to be the the longest and most expensive trial in German history. Before um, the trial concluded, members of the next generation of the Bademeinhof gang seized the German embassy in Sweden. After a lengthy siege of about 11 hours or so, two of the gang were killed. And a German Chancellor Schmidt made it clear that he wasn't going to negotiate with the Bader-Meinhof gang. During the trial, um, Ulrich Meinhof was found hanged in her cell. Um, what had happened, most likely she probably killed herself. But obviously, in these situations, um, there are all manner of conspiracy theories. that She was, she was murdered by the state. Um in her situation she it looked um, as if she would never see her her children again and that um her um entire ideological world had kind of imploded upon itself um she had become basically um persona non grata by the rest of the of the group and the um Uh, Everything that she had sacrificed for appeared to be lost. So it would make sense that she probably killed herself. That seems most likely. The other three were jailed for life. And um, that in itself didn't end the crisis. 1977, a year into their sentence, saw the bloodiest year uh, in Germany. And it was dubbed by the media the West German Summer. Uh, it saw the kidnap and the assassination of the former SS man, Hans-Martin Schleyer. Schleyer had, had um, gained the hatred of the left throughout the 1960s uh, during periods of industrial protest with his kind of heavy-handed treatment of um, striking workers. If there was one figure that really represented everything that the red army faction hated it was Schleyer he was uh, the president of the confederation of german employers associations and the federation of german industries um he's kidnapped on the 5th of september 1977 um and it was at, in in some part to try to persuade the government to allow um the members of the of the gang to go free but it was I, I suspect Schleier was never going to see the light of day, really during the same time period the uh, Red Army faction and Palestinian terrorists had uh, agreed between them to hijack a Lufthansa flight. The flight uh, was flying from Majorca to Frankfurt, but wound up in Mogadishu in Somalia in the end uh, the Pilot was murdered, and the um, crew um, obviously were under immense threat, as were the uh, the passengers. And the um, demands of the kidnappers were that the uh, former, the founding members of the Red Army faction, were freed. The raid was foiled by the uh, German special forces, with some help from the SAS, the British SAS and when they, this was heard on a smuggled radio into the prison bader realized that there was no hope for his situation and having um one of his arranged for his lawyer to smuggle a, a firearm into the jail he shot himself and um gudrun enslin and karl rasp um the final members uh, both uh, committed suicide as as well. Now, when their um, deaths were revealed, there was uh, a belief amongst the successor generations of the Red Army Faction that Schleyer, uh, that the uh, who had kidnapped Schleyer, that they had been murdered, and so subsequently they killed Schleyer in revenge. The, so the summer of seventy seven became the high point for the gang. Um, after that, it slips really. Uh, into uh, obscurity um, with carrying out the sort of sporadic attacks of the eighties and, and finally into the early nineties, uh, but there is less and less of an incentive uh, in the east to to give the gang any any help. Now, the the lurid details, the attacks, the shootings, the bombings, that sort of thing, whilst all being interesting, it kind of steers away, in effect, from the central question as as to why it was in um, the post-war era, from the late 60s onwards, after this extraordinary economic miracle in Germany that put the country back on its feet did um, this kind of phenomenon manifest itself why were a small group of young radicals at war with the rest of society and to me the answer is the unresolved tensions um, that denazification uh, not necessarily created but failed to, to address the, the failings of denazification if you like those strike me as being the, the fundamental um, origins of, of West German terror. Now, let's say that you're writing an essay on Germany, um, as many of you will be fairly shortly, synoptic kind of essay where you're looking about Germany 1872, 1989 or, uh, or beyond. Looking over that long period of time, um, this is a kind of... Th- this Uh, story if you will this narrative of the bader meinhof gang and west german terror in general can be related to a broader theme perhaps we can look at um, the broader theme of denazification or germany in the post-war era Um, Perhaps we can look at the um, inability um, for Germany to um, confront its past in certain regards. Perhaps it can be used as evidence um, of something even even deeper than that, uh, of Germany's very complex relationship between state and nationalism. After all, what is it that the baden Meinhof gang were really uh, objecting to? What was it that these the West German radicals were really objecting to? They were objecting to what they had seen as the latent Nazism within German society, which stems from kind of aggressive nationalist militarism, which um, has its roots far earlier than uh, nineteen thirty-three. You can go all the way back, really, to German unification um, and. Throughout, And there are obviously instances of um, uh, anarchist and socialist terror throughout the Kaiserreich and and beyond. Anyway, I hope you found that useful. A bit of a ramble this morning. Um, and I'll be updating this podcast later in the week. We're edging closer to our 5,000th listener. So if you're out there, thanks very much. Um, there's a great new newsletter out. Um, We're uh, reviewing some cracking books at the moment and there's some really exciting developments in the pipeline too. Um, Still trying to work on explaining history TV on YouTube but once that's up and running you guys will be the first to know. Uh, Now if you're looking for a really interesting um, read, a potted read on the rise and fall of communism um, including West German terror, get Chris Kostov's the communist century. You can find it at www.explaininghistory.com. And there's a link through there to the Amazon page for it. Check it out today. It's a brilliant read. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.